In this episode, we'll create an S3 bucket to store our website content. We'll review the AWS console at a high level, talk about S3 bucket permissions, along with manual S3 file uploads. Before we dive in though, it probably makes sense to quickly review the architecture diagram, just so that we're both on the same page in terms of what we're trying to do in this episode. Last episode, we looked at two example static hosting architectures, a full CloudFront solution with CloudFront sitting in front of our S3 bucket serving all user requests. Then there's a bit of a hybrid solution using both S3 and CloudFront at the same time, where the HTML comes off of S3 and the bulky assets, things like style sheets, JavaScript, and images are served from CloudFront. In both cases, these S3 buckets act as storage areas for our website content, and from there it's sent out to the end users, either via CloudFront or served directly from the S3 bucket. The S3 bucket is basically the foundation for the entire static hosting environment, and this is what we're going to create today. So with that in mind, let's jump over to the Amazon Web Services Management Console. Once you've signed up and logged into AWS, you'll see an administration console something like this. As you can see, there's lots of options for compute, where you can easily start all shapes and sizes of virtual machines, storage solutions for things like S3 and CloudFront, all types of databases and caching, administration and monitoring, deployment workflow tools, along with many different application type services, all on a pay-as-you-go pricing plan. It can actually be a little overwhelming in that there's just so many options and the learning curve is pretty steep. Each one of these links will bring up its own dedicated management console for that particular service. So there's just so much to learn and explore in here. As a bit of an icebreaker, I wanted to create a simple problem like hosting a static website. So to build out our static hosting environment, we're gonna use a mix of S3 for storage, CloudFront for speedy content delivery, and Route 53 for DNS resolution. Okay, so let's click into S3 and pull up its management console. The interface is actually really clean and simple to use. On the left-hand panel here, this is where you'll see a listing of S3 buckets assigned to your account. Then over on the right-hand side, you can see metadata about that bucket, along with settings that you can change. This will all become obvious in a minute when we create our first bucket. Since we want to host a website called websiteinthecloud.com, and we're going to store the contents in S3, let's go ahead and create an S3 bucket for it. A wizard will pop up and we're asked to fill out two fields, what we want to call the bucket, and in what geographic region we want to store this bucket. I think of these S3 buckets as directories or folders. You can just create them and put files in there. Then you can assign all types of settings and permissions to that bucket. Actually, there's a pretty good description of what a bucket is here. A bucket is a container for objects stored in S3. They also mention that you can choose the region that you want the bucket to be stored in. What does this mean? Well, AWS has data centers all over the world, and you can choose where you want the bucket to physically be stored. Say, for example, that the majority of your customers are in Tokyo. It might make sense to store the data close to them in the Tokyo region, as access times will likely be much quicker and data transfer fees will be lower. Or say that you're dealing with data that is required by law to stay within your home country. You can comply with these laws by picking the correct region. But we're just going to use US standard for this example. For the bucket name, let's just call it websiteinthecloud.com. The name really isn't all that important, and in most cases, no one will ever see it, but it should be called something that you can easily recognize it by. The reason that you can call the bucket any arbitrary name is that we're going to use Route 53 in a later episode to map our websiteinthecloud.com domain name to this S3 bucket. So the name really isn't all that important as it's hidden away behind the scenes. Now down here, if you wanted to log access requests to this S3 bucket, you could follow the wizard, but I don't really care about logging requests in this example, so we can just go and create the bucket. 
Okay, so over on the left-hand side panel, we can see our newly created website in the cloud.com bucket. Then over on the right-hand side, we have our metadata associated with this bucket and a whole bunch of expandable settings. You can click into this bucket just like you would a folder on your desktop or something similar. You can see here that the bucket website in the cloud.com is empty, obviously because we just created it. To go back, you can just click on this little breadcrumb here and it'll take you back to the S3 console. Sorry if this is super basic stuff, I just wanted to start from the ground up, trying not to assume too much AWS knowledge. We need to change a few settings on this bucket, mainly because we want to serve static web content out of it. So let's do that now. You can get to the bucket properties menu either by clicking on this icon or right clicking on the bucket name and selecting properties. Over here we see the bucket name, various metadata associated with the bucket, things like region, creation date, and who owns it. Then down here there's a whole bunch of expandable options for things like bucket permissions, static hosting, logging, versioning, and lifecycle. The AWS documentation is fantastic, so if you have any questions about what these features do, just expand that option and click the documentation links. By default, the bucket, and anything in it, is only accessible by your account. But since we're going to serve a public website from it, we need to enable anonymous public access. Let's expand this permissions dropdown here. Now you could enable public access to each file in the bucket on a file-by-file -file basis, but that can be extremely cumbersome and time-consuming. An easier method is just to add a blanket policy, which grants anonymous read access to all objects in that bucket. We can do that by clicking the Add Bucket Policy, then add the policy into this text box here. I'm not going to kid you here, the policies can be extremely difficult to remember, so you're typically going to be copying and pasting it from somewhere. And to see what some example policies look like, you can click on this helpful Sample Bucket Policies documentation link down here. Contained within this page, there are many great examples and it really helps to show what's possible, things like granting anonymous access, restricting access to a specific IP range, along with only allowing access from a CloudFront distribution. There's also a great overview on how to grant anonymous read access from the static hosting guide, along with some additional links if needed. All of these links are also in the episode notes below, but we're just gonna copy this block, and then we'll paste it over on the S3 Management Console tab. This policy grants anonymous read access to our bucket, this version and date is related to the policy version we want to use. You cannot enter an arbitrary date here. This is kind of like saying that we want to use a particular version of the policy so that AWS knows what these attributes down here mean and they're pinned to this policy version. So we're granting public read access, allowing all get object requests, then we specify the bucket down here. You can see this example bucket name here, then this star indicates all files located within that bucket. So we just need to change the example bucket name to our website in the cloud.com bucket, the one we created earlier over here. Then let's save it. We can verify all this actually worked by clicking edit. Great, so that's how you grant anonymous access. This might have been a little long-winded, but I didn't want there to be any voodoo happening behind the scenes. And you might come up with other policy use cases too, so it's useful knowledge to have. Okay, so now that we have the bucket created and anonymous access configured, let's enable static website hosting says here that once you turn on static hosting, this endpoint link will take you to your S3 bucket enabled website. Right now it's just serving a 404 error message saying that no such website has been configured. What is interesting about all this is that once we enable static hosting, you can actually give out this link to people. Say that you wanted to share some large files in your bucket. You do not even need to map a custom domain. We're just going the extra mile in this series. Okay, so let's turn static hosting on. Down here we have a couple radio buttons. Currently static hosting is disabled, so let's enable it. 
In here you're asked to provide the index document. Basically this is the default file shown to people when they visit this bucket. This is typically the index.html file. Then we need an error page to show people. Let's opt for the 404.html page. And finally let's save the changes. We can scroll up and view the bucket endpoint link again. Let's open that up in a new tab. We're still seeing an error message, but it's a little different, in that instead of a no such website has been configured error, we're seeing a no such key error. You can see that it says no such key exists, then the key name is index.html, so basically it's complaining that we don't have the index.html file in our bucket to serve as the default page. Down here, comically, S3 says there was an error while attempting to retrieve the custom 404 error message. Again, this is because the file doesn't exist in the bucket. I thought it would be worthwhile to show you these error messages in that if you miss something while getting this deployed, you have a pretty good idea of where to look. So let's go ahead and upload our two HTML files and see if we can fix these error messages. Back in the S3 management console, you can click on the bucket name. Then we can upload our example website files. You have a couple options for uploading files through the GUI here. You can right click and select upload, or you can use the upload button up here. A dialog box will pop up where you can select the files you want to upload. It's kind of cool how you can drag and drop files onto this dialog box to upload them, or you can use the add files button. In the next episode, I'll actually show you how to use a command line tool called S3 website, and it can really streamline the process of uploading files, especially if you have hundreds or say thousands of files that you want to upload. But for right now, let's just click this add files button so that I can show you how it works manually. I've created an example.index.html file along with our 404.html error message. They're super simple for now, but it should give you an idea of how this works. Just to show you what this upload wizard looks like, we can click through to the next details page. This is where you can set the redundancy and encryption requirements for the files. Basically, how many times you want these files to be replicated inside the S3 environment. Or if they should be encrypted on the server side. This can be useful in tweaking your billing profile in that standard and reduced redundancy are different rates, although if you're at small scale it likely doesn't matter, or if you need to satisfy some business requirements where data needs to be encrypted at rest. Next, you can set the permissions associated with these files, but because we have a blanket policy to allow anonymous access to this bucket, we don't need to worry about this. Finally, we're asked if we want to set custom HTTP headers. For example, maybe you want to set cache control or a specific content type. You could define that here. But AWS is actually really smart in detecting the default content, so you don't really need to do too much unless you want to specifically control something. We'll also look at how we can use S3 website via the command line in the next episode to set these headers for us. Okay, so that's it. Let's click Start Upload. And you'll see a little progress bar as your files are uploaded. Then you'll see the completed transfers. Let's slide this over uh, so that we can see the metadata for the files we just uploaded. Actually, let's just close this to have a better look. Great, so our two files are uploaded, and you can see their storage class, reduced redundancy or standard, their size, timestamp information. This is pretty standard stuff. But you can imagine how labor intensive this would be if you wanted to upload lots of files, or create many directories. Say you needed to upload 100 gigs, how long would that take? You'd have to constantly be babysitting it. So you'll definitely want to use some type of upload tool if you deploy content all the time, as it will greatly reduce your workload. Okay, so let's head back to the bucket properties and check out the static hosting endpoint link again. Let's just open the link in a new tab here, and you can see our simple index.html page. So maybe you have a prototype you want to share with someone, you could just give them this link. Or maybe you have some large files you want to transfer around. There are all sorts of use cases where you might not want to, 
or have a need to map a real domain to this S3 bucket. We can also test the error page up here by just going to a URL that doesn't exist and watch our custom error page load. Easy enough, right? So that's static hosting with S3 in a nutshell. Nothing too crazy or intimidating in here. There's one really cool thing about AWS in that there's almost no limit to what you can really do in terms of scale. If you wanted to upload three terabytes of data today, there's nothing stopping you except a bill. This is especially cool if you're a small company in that you can start really small and scale as you grow, all without swapping providers. I know this looks extremely simple, but as you'll see throughout this series, you can build blazing fast and highly scalable static websites using this exact method. Let's head back to the architecture diagram for a minute. So we pretty much have the foundation built out in that we know what the AWS management console looks like. We have an S3 bucket created and it's configured to host static website content. The next episode will look at how we can streamline uploads into a nice automated workflow. Also, we'll look at some AWS best practices. All right, that concludes this episode. Thanks for watching. If you would like to get notified about future episodes, please subscribe to my mailing list. You can do this by going to the Get Notified link in the header and entering your email address. Have questions, comments, or concerns about this episode? What about episode ideas? I'd love to hear your feedback, either good or bad. Shoot me an email, justin at sysadmincasts.com.